Isn't communication hard? It just is. It's it's amazing to me. It it it's very challenging. At least it is for me. It's challenging to do well. It's truly odd because we live in an era where communication tools abound. We have all kinds of ways to talk to one another, right? We have all kinds of ways to broadcast uh, messages to one another, but it's just hard. Still, no matter what we do, whatever mediums we use, still things get confused. Still things are hard to communicate and communication just comes hard. Isn't communication hard? Are there any parents here who would say that there are times when you're trying very hard to communicate to your child and you feel like they've turned you off? They just like speak to the hand. And I wonder if there's any um, people under the age of 20 here who would admit you don't have to raise your hand that sometimes you turn your parents off because you don't want to communicate right now. I have people raising hands. You're you're in trouble, girl, because you're married. And I was going to ask, what about husbands and wives? How are you doing with your communication? How's it going for you? A pretty typical scenario for me is, and I've seen this happen a whole lot of times, the wife will say A to her husband who will hear B. He will respond with C and she will hear D. And then she will respond emphatically with E and F. And then the husband is sitting there thinking, what did I just mess up? And what do I need to do to fix this? What just happened? That's how communication can go. And I don't know. I don't know why we struggle as mightily as we do, but we do. Perhaps for men and women, it's something like what you're about to watch on the screen. We're going to start discussing men's brains, women's brains, and how they're very different from each other. Now, I want to start with men's brains. All right. Now, men's brains are are very unique. Men's brains are made up of little boxes. And we have a box for everything. We've got a box for the car. We've got a box for the money. We've got a box for the job. We've got a box for you. We've got a box for the kids. We've got a box for your mother somewhere in the basement. We got, we got. We, we got boxes everywhere. And, and the rule is, the boxes don't touch. <laughs> when a man discusses a particular subject, we go to that particular box, we pull that box out, We open the box, we discuss only what is in that box, all right? And and, and then we close the box and put it away being very, very careful not to touch any other boxes. different from men's brains. Women's brains are made up of a big ball of wire. And everything is connected to everything. 
and the money's connected to the car, and the car's connected to your job, and your kids are connected to your mother, and everything's connected to everything. And it's like... It's like the internet superhighway. Okay? And, and it's all driven by energy that we call emotion. It's just... It's, it's one of the reasons why women tend to remember everything. <laughs> because if you take an event and you connect it to an emotion, it burns in your memory and you can remember it forever. The same thing happens for men. It just doesn't happen very often because, quite frankly, we don't care. <laughs> uh, women tend to care about everything. And she just loves it. <laughs> okay. Now men, we have a box in our brain that most women are not aware of. This particular box has nothing in it. In fact, we call it the nothing box. <laughs> and of all the boxes a man has in his brain, the nothing box is our favorite box. <laughs> if a man has a chance, he'll go to his nothing box every time. That's why a man can do something seemingly completely brain dead for hours on end. You know, like fishing. Now, they've actually measured this. The University of Pennsylvania a couple of years ago did a study and discovered that men have the ability to think about absolutely nothing and still breathe. <laughs> you know, they connected all the wires and stuff like that and watched the brain activity, and then all of a sudden, he <laughs> I think he's dead! Huh? You know. <laughs> women can't do it. They can't do it. Their minds never stop. And, and they don't understand the nothing box. And it drives them crazy. Because nothing drives a woman more crazy or makes her feel more irritated than to witness a man doing nothing. So there you go. Now you know why you argue, men and women. And it's been worth coming to church just for that, right? Now you know. Now you know to, uh, how we're wired and how it's different. But that said, it's just not easy to have good communication. May I ask you something? How's your communication with God going? We've been this summer in a series called Soul Shift. And we've been looking at um, this book that was written of the same name. 
by uh, Steve Deneff and David Drury. And this summer in our church, we've been kind of taking uh, some chapters out of that and looking at it. I've been preaching some companion messages. And this book has a premise that I will tell you I fully ascribe to. I do believe that the way that God institutes and wants to institute changes in us is from the inside on the deepest level. You see, God doesn't save people. And by the way, let me just interrupt myself and tell you something. I didn't know if you knew this or not, but God has designs on every human being. And one of the the key things that God wants to do is transform us. He has designs and plans to change you. And I say, thank you, Jesus. I don't want to be what I am when I see God. I want to be changed. I want to be more like him. I always want God to to cause me to be more like Christ. That said, we've been the premise of this book is that when God institute change, institutes changes, he's not trying to just change the way we look on the outside and the things we do on the outside. He wants those changes to happen because something happened inside on a soul level. So he leads us to shift in our souls. He leads us to have changes happen in our souls. And that's how God works in people's lives. The last time I spoke to you out of this series, we looked at a shift that uh, uh, the authors of the book called Consumer to Steward. And it was an idea, if you will, or or it was the, the thought that God wants to help us shift from just receiving and consuming everything that he blesses us with to asking, how can I be a steward of that? You'll remember that message. How can I use what God gives me for him? How can I use some of what God gives me for others? How can my my shift be made where I'm not just, thank you, God, oh, good, more blessings, thank you, thank you, thank you, and then hoarding it in. And how can I change the way that I am? as a person and shift over to be a steward and recognize that every single thing that I have is because of God. Everything I can do is because God enables me to do it. And we spent some time talking about, for example, our eyesight. What a gift. God did that. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. That's God. And so we spent some time. This shift is similar. As we Think about communicating with God and him communicating with us. This is a shift that the authors call ask to listen. Ask to listen. I want to ask you a pretty personal question today. How is your communication going with God? Does he hear you? I mean, when you pray, do you believe in your heart that God hears your prayers? Do you hear him? Do you recognize his voice? Do you know he's speaking to you? Do you know when he's speaking to you? Do you know when he is working in your life? Is there an open channel of communication between you and God? I want to take you to John chapter 10 and look at the first four verses and then jump down to verse 14 and read a few more verses. What we're going to look at is a, an encounter. Uh, That Jesus had. So let's just go to John 10, begin with verse 1. And Jesus is speaking here when we look at it. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep, listen, hears his voice. 
And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Some powerful words there. Verse 14 now, Jesus speaking again. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and, my, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my, thy sheep, the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I also I must bring. They will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. And there, therefore, there was a division again among the Jews. Because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Listen, why do you listen to him? So here we have something in this passage of scripture um, that Jesus said in response to some religious leaders who started questioning him. Well, something that I I want to remind you that I say a lot, but uh, I want to remind you of is this. One of the things about Jesus and the claims that he made and the, the, the things that he taught is this. It, he, he sort of, well, not sort of, he demands a verdict, if you will. If, Jesus, if you are going to, and here's the verdict, do you believe what he claims to be? Do you believe that he is who he says he is? And do you believe that he can do what he says he can do or not? And there's no neutrality in this. You either believe or you don't, because if you believe he is the son of God, then the, the thing to do as a human being is to submit to the savior, is to submit because he's the creator and he's God. If he is your creator and he is God, that's thing number one. Number two is you worship him. He's God. He's the only one you worship because he's God to you. If you believe what Jesus says, you will do that and then you will follow him. You will become a sheep. He will be your shepherd. That is how it goes. And I will say this to you in my mind and my understanding to not submit to him, to not worship him and to not follow him. It's the same as saying, I don't believe his claims. And so there was always a controversy around Jesus as he walked around and he ministered because there were people who did not believe he was the Messiah. So they didn't want him around. They would fight him. They would try to resist him. They would try to disprove him and discredit him. That happened to Jesus all the time. And all of this happened because Jesus encountered a man who was born blind. The man had never seen. Can you imagine reaching adulthood, never having seen anything? He was profoundly blind. He had never seen a ray of light. And in this encounter, Jesus made some mud for the man out of his own saliva and some of the dirt. And he put it up on the man's eyes. And he said, now go to this certain pool and go wash. And when you when you wash, you'll be able to see. The man never saw Jesus at this point because he was blind. But he made his way to the pool. And when he washed, he was seeing. And he came out and it was an astounding, beautiful, awesome miracle. And there were some who believed that Jesus was the son of God and they embraced this and they were rejoicing. But the ones who didn't believe that this was possible, although they had it right in front of them, the ones who didn't believe it was possible began to be, be upset that the man could see. It's an astounding study of human nature to follow Jesus around the Gospels. It's amazing how stubborn people will be and how rebellious we want to be when we want to be. 
And so this is where it is. And, and so people pull this poor guy. He's just rejoicing. I can see. It meant it was a total lifestyle change for him. It was immediate. God did this great big miracle for him. And he was happy. The problem was he lived in a culture that believed the reason he was born blind is because he was a jerk. He must have sinned or his parents must have sinned. But there was a curse on him. He was cursed. How could he now see? And so some of the Jews were angry because uh, Jesus picked the wrong day to do it. Did it on the Sabbath day. What was he thinking? Not supposed to work on the Sabbath. You can't make mud on the Sabbath. What are you, a bricklayer? You can't do it. And so they were mad at him. And, and they, this man ends up in front of the religious leaders, the same ones who would eventually orchestrate the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And, and, and he's being questioned by these religious leaders. Remember, he had not yet seen Jesus. He washed and... Jesus wasn't around when he washed. And so, uh, but they're questioning him. They want to know, how is it that you can see? And he, he told him, he says, the man named Jesus made mud. He put it in my eyes. He told me to wash in a pool. I did, and I can see. Then they're really angry with him, and they're giving him a bunch of grief. And then they pull the man's parents, a grown man, but they pull his parents. Is, is this the guy you said was blind when he was born? You claim that way he was blind, and is this your son? And, and, and why now can he see? And they're questioning the parents. The parents are intimidated by the religious leaders. They didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. So they said, look, he's at age. Here's what we can tell you. That's our son, and he was born blind. How he can see now, we have no idea. They knew, but they were afraid. That's what the Bible tells us. So anyway, now, now the Pharisees get back to this man. They're really giving it to him, and he, he finally got enough of it. And he says, I'm not going to tell you anymore because every time I tell you, you don't believe it. So why would you want me to tell you? And they're saying, don't give glory to this man. Give glory to God. And, and the man basically said, well, how can this not be God? And they threw him out of the synagogue. And they were mad at him. They threw him out. And Jesus, at this point in his ministry, had a tail, if you will. And what I mean by that is uh, it's, he had Pharisees who would follow him around everywhere he would go, not because they wanted to hear what he had to say or, or do, except to trap him. They just wanted Jesus to blow it. They just wanted to make one mistake so that they could somehow legally get Jesus in trouble and make him stop. Just make him stop. Because Jesus was taking their people away and their prestige and that kind of thing. So finally, they're following Jesus. And Jesus walked up to the man. And he revealed himself to the man. He says, I'm the one. I'm the, I'm, I'm the son of God. And I healed you. And the man loved him. Wouldn't you? After a lifetime of blindness and that kind of grace and love from a, a wonderful Savior, that healing, wouldn't you love him? And so this man was worshiping. And the Pharisees heard this conversation. They stepped in, they interjected, and there was an argument about whether or not they're blind. And so what we're reading here, and I know I, 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 it took a long time to set the table here. I wanted you to have the con context. You can read all of this in the chapters preceding what we read. But now in this narrative, here, here Jesus is answering them about, about an important aspect of a relationship with the Lord God. And I want to hone in about what he said here about communication between people and him. How God and people can communicate. And I want to see if there's some insight here, and I believe there is, about what it looks like when good communication is happening between God and people. And here's some of the things that Jesus said. Jesus said that he is the shepherd. He is the shepherd. 
Shepherds lead sheep. That's their job. They, they lead them. They protect them. They, they care for them. And the reason why that's important to me as I see this, for me it means then that the conversation should begin with Jesus. And it should be Jesus who initiates the conversation between a human being and him um, most of the time. What I'm saying is we, we need to hear his voice. He said, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Good communication between God and man should be led by the Savior. He has given us the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. We need to be guided by God so that we can begin to talk. But there's another aspect of this, and I find myself saying a foundational truth that I say so often when I preach. It all begins and ends with Jesus. What I'm trying to say to you is you don't, you don't have a communication with God if you don't believe in Jesus Christ. It is only through Jesus Christ. Here's something that he said, and we read this. He says, all others who come into the sheep pen by some other way, climbing in or some other nefarious way other than through the door, who, by the way, he said he was the gate. Um, and anyone who comes in any other way, are, they're only there to rob you and steal from you, and they're, they're thieves and robbers, and that's all they are. They won't benefit you. What, why this is important is for me to remind you that although the world and many people in the world will say to you there are many ways to speak to God, many ways to God, there really isn't. There's one, Jesus Christ, Jesus and Jesus only. He is the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. He is the one that we speak to God through because he is God. We start with Jesus. Jesus would later say, no man comes to the Father except through me. And so here we go back to this age old uh, controversy that existed in Jesus day. We need to make a decision. Is Jesus the son of God? And can we relate to God through Jesus or not? Is he who he claims to be or not? And so that is a challenge that we would know. We, if we belong to him, will know his voice. He will speak to us and we will know who he is. That said, genuine believers really know this. Real followers of Jesus have no problem with this truth. Yes, of course, the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Yes, of course, he is the Savior. We know that Jesus is the shepherd. And most of you are right here. You believe this. You're here. But the issue is sometimes we act as if we should lead the whole conversation. <laughs> we all oh, we do so much asking and so little listening, don't we? We get caught up in that. We get caught up in saying to God what we need from him. But we're not listening to him so often. So the real question remains, do I really want to know what God is saying to me? I need to submit that as long as we're doing all the talking, it's kind of hard to hear him. Another pastor recently said it this way. We can't listen very well while we are talking and have you found that to be true in you? And I believe that. It, isn't it hard when you get involved in a conversation with somebody and you don't get in two words edgewise? You ever been there? Ever tried to talk to somebody who just dominates the whole conversation and won't let you get a word in? They just talk, 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 and, and they give you the impression they're more impressed with what they're saying than what you would say? 
And I've, I've been in conversations with people who just, just are incessant about it. And they'll talk and talk and talk. And you'll stand there and maybe get three words in. And a half hour later, you know, they think you, they've had a good talk. And it's frustrating. You might even have some things to contribute to the conversation. But you don't get a chance because you're just wondering, how is it that they can circle breathe like this? They just keep going. They just talk and they and nothing comes out of your mouth because you can't even get get an and or a but in. They're just and it's hard. And I want you to know that in in some cases, believers can have the mistaken notion that we start the conversation and we speak to God on our terms and the shift is important here because, oh, if we get this right, everything changes for us. What if we were to not talk as much first? And what if we would listen to hear what Jesus may have to say to our spirits? What if we were trying to pay attention to what Jesus was saying to us before we began? Now, quickly hear me say this to you. Does God want you to pray to him? Absolutely. Is prayer important in the life of a Christian? Absolutely. Please don't go out and say, well, I've got to stop praying. I just, I, you know, I've got to stop talking, so I'm just going to stop praying. Part of real prayer is hearing God. And so that's an important aspect. But sometimes it is important to stop talking and stop asking until you've heard from God. I will tell you that that will be an important thing. Another problem that can happen in our communication with God and him being a shepherd is sheep can hear a whole lot better when they're walking pretty close to the shepherd. But, oh, it's a lot harder and a lot more frustrating when the sheep is way far away and the shepherd is trying to communicate to them. Translate that into our lives. How, do you, how would you like to have to raise a kid who was never wanted to stay by your side, but always kept great big amount of distance, and the only time you could even get their attention was to shout at the top of your lungs? That would be a weird kid to raise. And I would suggest to you that sometimes the reason people don't hear God is because we just put so much distance between us and our Savior. Do you want to hear God? intentionally get closer, intentionally draw nearer to him so you can hear his voice. And that's an important thing for us to remember. And Jesus, friends, Jesus is the shepherd. The best that you and I can ever be, and this is not to insult you, but the best you can ever be in this analogy is a sheep. Jesus knows how to lead us through our lives. He knows where the dangers are. He knows how to nourish our spirits where the food and the water is. He knows how to lead. Will we let him? We have to let him or we're not going to hear him. He is the way to heaven. He is the communication to, to God between man and God. Period. End of the story. Jesus said, secondly, that the sheep know and follow his voice. The shepherd's voice. We know it. We follow it. I'm tying into the first point that I just preached to you. But what if our mindset, again, was to listen first and then talk to God? That's the soul shift that we're talking about today. Ask to listen. And let me make this kind of personal, if I can, to each of you who is a biblical Christian here. You know that you're born again. You know you belong to him. I want to say this to you. From the very moment that you got saved... It has been God's desire that you learn how to listen for and then move towards his voice. 
That's so important. The question for all of us is, do I ever sincerely try to hear what God is saying to me? So this shift truly starts and ends with our attitude and our mindset about God. One must want to hear God's voice to hear God's voice. You have to want it. You have to desire it. And more times or not, we, we don't listen on purpose. And it's important for us to have this shift happen inside of us. Something else happens in Christians, and this is, this is my challenge often. We get distracted, and some of us worse yet, know he's talking, but we block him out. La, la, la. Mine, mine is distraction. I don't have the brain that, that is a ball of wire like, like, like the gentleman was talking about, uh, Mr. Gunger was talking about. But I had the brain like the, the movie, I forget the name of the movie now, but there were dogs in this movie and they were hooked up to some voice box things. I, somebody's going to notice. Up, yeah, the movie Up. And, these, and somehow this mad scientist invented a box where dogs could talk to people with talk, people language. And I, it just makes me laugh as I'm thinking about it because there are so many scenes where they're, they're with one another and there's conversation. All of a sudden one goes, squirrel! And they're all, that's me. That's what can happen to me. I can be right in the middle of really uh, seeking God and suddenly something pops into this brain. And it's like that, squirrel! And I'm just drawn away. I mean, I'm just ADD, and I get distracted. And so if I am going to hear from God especially, talking is not a problem. Wish it were at times, but it's not a problem. But hearing God sometimes can be a problem because I fill my life with things that distract me at times. And sometimes they can be noble good things like ministry and church work and Marriage and all those things. They're all good and noble. There's nothing wrong with any of those things except for when they crowd me out so much that I never make time to hear from God. So he calls and he begins to lead and other sheep follow him and I'm distracted. And let me say something to you folks. That's very, very dangerous for sheep. You see, it's not the sheep that stays close to the shepherd that gets in trouble. The shepherd takes care of those sheep. It's that knucklehead sheep that's just just so distracted. And they're just... You know what's going on in the world today just scares me a little bit, okay? With this whole Go Pokemon thing. Do you know people are getting hurt and killed playing the game? Because they're so into their phone... A bus runs over somebody or something like that. It's scary. People step off. They're getting injured. They're getting hurt. because. And I've seen people that before Go Pokemon thing, they were texting. I've seen people run into stuff, man. It's like, it's scary how we how our minds can work and we can get so totally distracted. Well, in a spiritual sense, we can get ourselves absolutely astray of the voice of God and not hear Him because we're so enamored with something else in the world. And I'm telling you, as a friend, as a pastor to his people, it is a dangerous thing to get that distracted. And blocking God's voice out on purpose is even worse. I need to just be transparent with you and tell you about a time some several years ago where I did that. Uh, You see, somebody offended me. Somebody who um, 
I loved and cared very deeply about did and said something that just crushed me. It hurt me so badly. And, and I was angry. And you know what the, what the word of God says about a willingness to forgive? Well, I was battling with that, just to be very honest with you. And I was angry. And I wanted to stay angry. And what happened was I would begin to pray. And this is how the Lord works in my mind. The image of that person's face just boom, right here. I couldn't see past it. I couldn't move past it. I couldn't talk past it. I tried to look around and the Holy Spirit, I believe, just kept that image right in front of me. And I, I, I stopped praying. I would just stop and say, well, I don't know what to say now, God. And what the Holy Spirit revealed to me through this process was, Ken, I'm trying to speak to you about something that needs to be corrected in your life. I love you, and I'm not going to let this go. I love that person, and yes, they wronged you, but you're wrecking your life by holding a grudge, and I need to fix this with you. And I would pray, whatever I did, trying to worship and have a good time, I'd look up at the screen and I'd see the face. I mean, not literally, but that's what it felt like. And I knew what God was saying. And I tried for a while to just, la, 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 let me move on. I even tried to substitute game. And some of you have done this. You have to confess it and say in this preaching, in this moment, amen, oh, my, or ouch. And some of you are going, going to have to say ouch. Um, I even tried to say, well, God, what I'll do, I'll just give some extra money. Or I'll go over here and I'll do that. I'd know you like it when I witness. I'll witness. And I was trying to avoid the conversation that God was trying to have with me. And here's the thing. He wasn't going to budge until I would finally listen to what he was saying to me. And so eventually I got miserable enough where I knew that things weren't going to move forward in my relationship with God. In fact, they were going to deaden that I said, all right, God, I just need to. To listen to you. And I'm saying to you. It's a dangerous thing to get in a place. Where you're blocking God out. And you're not willing to let him do. What he wants to do. Or say what he wants to say to you. It's not always clearly uh, easy. To clearly hear what God is saying. Is it? Sometimes we get there. And we can be honest about it. And say uh, it's not always easy to tell. Is this God or is this something else? We've all been there. Just to be transparent, I don't always know if something I'm thinking about is of God or if it's my own idea. Seems godly sometimes when it's when sometimes it isn't of God. And I have to tell you, I have to I've I've, um, too many times seen people blame God for things that weren't of God at all. We were talking about marriage this morning. And marriage is a very sacred thing to the Lord God. And we were talking about divorce and, and how that affects people and, and how it affects relationship with God. And somebody said in class that they had heard somebody one time say, God told me to divorce this person. I got to say that that's not probably God. That's probably not. I'm almost positive that's not a God thing because God says in his word, I hate divorce. Now, this isn't me beating on anybody who's ever been divorced. I'm using this as an example. Sometimes we blame God on things. I I heard one preacher recently talk about, uh, he put it this way. He he says he's not always sure if it's God or gas. 
He doesn't know all the time who, if God is speaking to him. Well, I think that because God rarely speaks out loud to people, that we can sometimes not clearly hear him because our own thoughts do get mingled in there sometimes. And frankly, it's hard sometimes. It's a bit confusing. That said, please hear this statement. I didn't hear you won't cut it on judgment day. We can't use that as an excuse. I say that because I'm certain that if we want to hear the voice of the Lord, we want to hear Jesus, there'll be a point when we do and when God will communicate with us if we make it a priority. You see, let's go back to this ask to listen concept or paradigm. And and let me just clarify it for you this way. Asking is saying to God what you would like him to do for you. Listening is learning what God wants to do you to do for him. What if our default was to shift from always asking first to hearing what God is saying to us and addressing those? So how do I hear from God? How do I hear him when he speaks? And I just need to stop for a second and remind all of you, God speaks all the time. He's speaking. Many of us can't hear because we don't know how or we're not trying. So the first word, I know kind of in your face, but how do we hear God? Try. You have to try. Make an intentional effort to hear him. Make that shift in your heart and say, I want to get closer to him and I want to hear him. Tell him, pray to him and say, God, I'm ready to listen to you. I want to hear from you. I'm more interested in hearing from you than you hearing from me right now. I need you. I would love to hear from you. And can I be really frank and transparent? There are all of us go through this. There are seasons in our lives, man, when it seems like I can really hear what God is saying in my spirit. And I love those seasons. But there are those dry kind of seasons. You know what I'm saying? Where you're waiting for rain to come and it's barely drizzling at best. I mean, you're just wondering, man. And I just need to tell you that, that, that there's a hunger that, that gets in my heart sometimes where all I want, all I want is to hear from God. And you need that hunger. You need to try. You need to seek him. I love what the Lord says, that he, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God's primary way, by the way, to speak into human beings is his word. So if you want God to speak to you, you need a steady diet of his word. And listen, I, I want to say this lovingly and kindly. Sometimes for some of us, reading, it's hard to comprehend. We're just not great at comprehending what we read. We, we have other ways that you can get God's word into you. One of the best things you can do, go buy an audio copy of the Bible and listen intensely to it. Because faith cometh by hearing, not necessarily by reading. Okay, so it's okay, but have an intake daily of the word of God. If you care about God speaking to you, you have to know the word. You have to have the word. And I just want to challenge you. Make a time and a place where you're not going to be distracted. Don't try to listen to it and watch the ball game at the same time. Amen. Oh, my or ouch. Don't have your devotion time while, you know, the kids are crawling on top of your face. Don't do that. You know, you need your unhurried, uninterrupted time when it's when it's clear and time is clear and your heart is clear. You're going to then be able to hear the voice of God because 
God said in his word, and there's a wonderful story where Jeremiah was wanting to hear from God. Excuse me, Isaiah was wanting to hear from God. And he was he went way out in the desert because bad things had uh, were being threatened against him. He he had just done something miraculous. God had used him. And again, I'm using the wrong prophet. It was Elijah. Sorry about that. Man, alive. Three of them I went through. It's Elijah. And so he's out in the desert and he's depressed and he's thinking, God, just kill me because nobody else loves you. I'm the only one that loves you. I'm all by myself. Just kill me. And the Lord said, listen, he says, I want you to get ready to hear me. And then some amazing things happen. This great big whirlwind goes by, but God wasn't in the whirlwind. This, This massive earthquake happens. God wasn't in his voice, wasn't in that big, loud earthquake. And then a fire, a mighty fire sweeps by and God isn't there. And suddenly he hears this whisper. And it was God. And so I just need you to know that God's not always going to shout at you. You need to, to be able to find places where it's quiet enough for you to hear a whisper from God. And when you are impressed in your spirit with something from God's word, when God speaks to you and something's jumping off that page and he's ministering to your heart, here's, here's a clue for all of us. Respond back to God in prayer about what he just said to you. And I've used this illustration before, so bear with me. But it, I'm a Redskins fan, okay? And if I were talking to my friend Lyle and I, I had something of you know, about the Redskins that I wanted to talk to my friend Lyle about. And I was spent maybe three, four minutes, you know, telling him a story related to the season coming up or something. And then if all of a sudden, instead of responding to me about the Redskins, Lyle just began to talk to me about something absolutely, totally unrelated. And we do that to God all the time, don't we? God will speak to us about something. We want to change the subject. But what I would challenge you to do is speak back to God in prayer about what he is saying to you. That's an important aspect of this. You have to try. You have to want to do it. Let me move on to contemplate. Slow down. Okay, this is this is really good for these ADD guys like me. Slow down, shut down, and think seriously about what God may be saying to you in his word and in other ways. And when he says something to you, I challenge you to write it down. When you know it's God, when it's the voice of God and he's saying something to you, I suggest you write it down. Put it in a journal somewhere. And then later on, when you go back in about two weeks and you begin to read about the things that God has been saying to you, you'll see patterns emerging. And God is trying to get somewhere in your life. And so let him speak to you. And I would suggest that you write those things down. But contemplate them. Think about them. Meditate on them. Let it be habitual. Now, finally, let me talk to you about listening to divine promptings. This is where things can get muddy and where sometimes we're not sure if it's God or gas. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you, you're not always going to get it right, but it's okay. God knows you're human. God knows your struggles with it. So just see, just just listen and bear with me for a minute, because there are times when God will just prompt us in our spirit to do something. I recently heard and the most time it's for more mature Christians that this happens, but it happens. I recently heard a story of a godly woman who lives in the Midwest somewhere, and I think it's Indiana. Um, But this is a story that is purported to be exactly and 100% true. 
Apparently, she was at church in a meeting, uh, some type of meeting, and was driving home after a late evening. It, it had gone on a little while, and maybe her preacher was like me and long-winded, so she she didn't get out really, really early, and she's headed home. She's driving down a four-lane highway, and she's nearing an exit, and as she's getting closer to this exit, she felt like in her spirit she was being prompted to take the exit to go to a certain grocery store that she knew was right there. And she thought to herself, I don't need anything from the grocery store, and it's late. I'm not going to a grocery store. And so she continued to drive, and when she got next to the exit, she knew in her heart she was missing an opportunity that, that this was a prompting. She felt weird about it, but she said, I, I, I have to go to that grocery store. So she went down to the next exit and turned around and came back and went to that grocery store. And as she was pulling up in the, in the parking lot, she felt, again, this prompting that made no sense to her at all. But she really felt like this was, this was exactly what she was being prompted to do. The prompting was go to the produ- produce aisle and uh, start hopping on one foot. <laughs> it's the craziest thing she ever heard. And she's thinking to herself, I can't do that. And the parking lot was fairly empty, and so... She was relieved when she went into the store trying to be obedient to what she felt like God was saying to her. And it just seemed ridiculous, but she was relieved because the only person in that store was uh, a young adult male, and he was working. He was the night shift guy, and it was late. And so she, she was glad that he was the only one there, and he watched her as she came in because she was the only customer, and she walked to the produce aisle. And got in the middle of it and lifted a leg and started hopping. She just did this for, she said, about 10, 15 seconds. She just hopped on one foot. She put it down. She knew the guy was looking at her. She tried not to make eye contact, as you can understand. (laughs) And she was making her way out. And the guy said, wait a minute. Why did you just do that? And she sheepishly said to him, well, to be honest with you, I was in a meeting at church. I felt like this is something God told me to do. I, so I came in, and she began to apologize, feeling like she had missed it, and she was it must have been gas, you know, all that kind of stuff, and really feeling foolish. And, and the young man looked at her. He says, you are not going to believe what I'm going to tell you here. And he proceeded to tell her, and this is, again, purported to be 100% true, that he was, in his mind, working the very last shift that he would ever work in his life because his life had not been going very well at all and he had contemplated for quite a little while killing himself and he had a plan in place to finish finish out this particular night he had a gun ready and he was going to go somewhere and blow his brains out and that was what he was about to do and he says I was trying to build up my courage tonight because uh, I was scared. And he said, I pretty much had determined I was going to do it. And then I felt like I, I just wanted to pray. He says, I don't, I don't know God or anything, but I prayed. And he says, you know, if you're up there and you care about this, if you don't want me to do this, I need you to do something. And he made this outrageous request. He says, I pray somebody walks into this store, goes to the middle of the produce aisle, and hops on one foot. That will prove to me that you're real. And this woman, who was a believer, did this incredibly 
random, ridiculous, seemingly ridiculous thing because she was prompted by God. And the story is she was able to lead him to Christ and he's alive today and a believer today because God specifically sent someone in through a divine prompting. Now, that to me is, a, is an astounding story, but I have to be honest with you. I've heard stories like this before, and it's not beyond God to do that. Do you hear me? And God may say to you, I want you to do something that seems pretty ridiculous. If you don't think God does that, read the Bible a little bit and, and talk to Gideon when you go to heaven. Okay, that would be one, one, one to start with. But you could talk to little David who faced a giant with just a sling. And I can go on and on and on. So God, to, to say that God wouldn't, wouldn't prompt people to do something unconventional is just not true. And I'm saying that it's important as we make this shift from just asking to listen to God and to obey his promptings. And if he can trust you enough to say, Okay, I know this is weird, but I'm going to say to Ken, I need you to stop at a grocery store and hop on one leg. What an amazing, wonderful level of trust. Have you considered my servant Job? He's blameless. God lets really crazy, wild things happen sometimes in our lives. So are you ready to make a shift? Are you ready in your life and in this summer to say to the Lord, you know what? I ask an awful lot, and I do a lot of talking. And I initiate most of the conversations that I have with you at all. And the only time I seem to want to listen to you is when I get in a big bundle of mess. And I think it's time for me to stop doing that and make a shift. And now, in my soul, Lord, if you help me, I want to just say, good morning, Lord, I'm listening. I'd like to hear from you today, please. I would challenge you. Make this shift. And by the way, it's not easy. Just thought I would say that. But it is so worth making. Start your, your day out and, and, and make a good, clean slate start here today. I'm ready to just hear what God has to say.